In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. In a world, while a global pandemic rages, and we're all forced to be inside all day, every day, and a woman has to only watch one more movie to complete a podcast, but a movie that's over three hours long and about the worst thing to ever happen in human existence... What will it take for her to watch that movie? And even then, what will it take for her to record that podcast? <laughs> Knowing that once she records it, she's finally free. Whew. Carla, here we are. <laughs> it's the final episode. I can't believe it. You're done. Almost. Well, like an hour and a half from now, you will be done. Uh, an hour and a half. Weesh. How does that sound? It sounds long. <laughs> Craig's listeners, you are tuning in to the long-awaited 100th episode of Craig's List. We're going to reveal my number one movie. Some of you may have guessed it already, but we're going to keep the suspense going for a few more minutes at least. Uh, we have been quarantined inside for five weeks now. <laughs> there is a uh, global pandemic happening. You'd think that in those five weeks, we could have gotten together for an hour and a half to record this final episode. But uh, today is the day. Today is the day. Carla, how are you I'm feeling? finally up for it. I'm feeling like I'm going fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair to me, <laughs> I've been really busy. You've actually been busy because you are the artistic director of your theater. Yes. And we had to move all of our stuff online. So basically, I learned an entirely new job in the last few weeks. And now we are streaming shows and doing online classes just to keep our business running and to keep the art of improv alive. Of That's course. Right. <laughs> it's not all about the dollar signs it's not. for you. No, no, I, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're earning a regular paycheck while you're inside and working. I mean, from home. I'm grateful, super grateful. You're legitimately it. able to work from home. Yeah. For now. <laughs> we'll talk in a month. And what's it like? Will we? I don't know. <laughs> I hope we're still talking in a month. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. This, this week was a little touch and go. <laughs> People ask all the time whether the podcast has really been a strain on our marriage. You can. I think there are listener questions later that we'll answer that will directly address that. So maybe you can hold on to your answer. But okay. has this uh, quarantine been a strain on our marriage? No, it's been a strain on my ability to be patient. It's been a strain on my impatience. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's tough. It is tough. We have a small place, but we do have a, a nice big yard, which has been really great. And now the weather is getting warmer and we can sit outside a bit yeah. too. You've been making masks. Man, I sure have. You're churning them out. I wish they were better for the amount of time I put in They're them. They're pretty damn good. They're better than I could do. Well. I'll tell you that much. 
Thank you. That's very nice. Stop biting me, Benny. It wouldn't be a Craigslist episode if Benny the Wonder Dog did not make an appearance. Uh, both of our dogs are on the couch with us right now being super needy. How is it possible? We're here all the time and they've somehow become needier. We are here 24-7. <laughs> the only time we go out is with them. Yes, we just walk them. That's the only time we go anywhere. And they're so needy. Benny is just staring at you right I know. now. What does he want? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> but Craig's listeners, we hope you're staying safe and healthy and uh, that there is a quarantine where you are, a stay-at-home yeah. order or whatever. We're, we're thinking about you and uh, thinking about everybody in our lives. Yeah. Really, like it's been tough to not have that human contact because you, you're a far more social person than I am. I am, but I'm also an introvert. Like I get exhausted quickly. <laughs> So I've always been like, oh, I'm an introvert. But then through this experience, I'm like, no, I guess I am an extrovert because I really like I woke up this morning and I thought of sitting around a bar with friends and I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just started crying. And I was like, I don't know when that's going to be. That's going to happen. You again. feel like Zoom meetings are not cutting it for you? Uh, No, I'm I'm so grateful to have Zoom. I mean, it's I can't even imagine what everything would be like if we didn't. Yeah. I mean, talk about being born in the right era, you know, and like privilege and all those things. Like, thank God. Absolutely. So, so I don't want to, I'm not going to diss Zoom because it's been fantastic. But yeah, I mean, there is something about being able to hug. Like a friend came over yesterday and we stood six feet apart and she was on the other side of the fence and she handed over a little treat for us and I handed her her masks and we were like, we just want to hug, you know, <laughs> like I just want to hug her. So anyways, everybody's feeling this, which is kind of great that we're all in this together. It almost feels like the making of masks has been an excuse for you to have people come over. It's true. Because they have to come pick them up. <laughs> yeah. And they've usually brought us a little something too. Yeah. Like we got a banana loaf today, which is so delicious. Delicious. So good. Tierney and Alex, thank you very much. Uh, and what have we been watching? I felt like for the first couple weeks after the quarantine started, like so much, like it, it's amazing the human resilience of how much we've settled into the new normal, even though it's driving us slightly crazy. But, yeah. you know, you settle into your routine. But we literally were watching like uh, 80s comfort food fun. movies yeah. for like two weeks. <laughs> we watched a lot of John Hughes. Yeah, we watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which, which was so fun. I had not seen since – I didn't even see it in the theaters when it came out. I probably saw it on VHS like a year after it came out and then never again. And it was great. I've probably seen it 80 times. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got me slightly beat there. I'm, but it had but probably been a while, maybe five or six years since I've seen it. I loved it. It was it's great. It's so great. It's yeah. so funny. Um, what was the one that we discovered together? Oh, Earth Girls Are Easy? Oh, my gosh. That is such a fun, crazy, insane movie. That was early on. That was like yeah. week one, and we were like, oh, boy. How have, for, I'm not surprised that I hadn't seen it, though, right. you know, when it came out, like 88, something like that. Oh, the same year that Gina Davis won Best Supporting Actress it's for so The Accidental Tourist, which, of course, we covered on this podcast. <laughs> um, so uh, I probably would have been maybe too cool for school for that movie already, but I really enjoyed it. It definitely burns itself out early. Like the last half hour cannot really sustain. Yeah, but it's so the funny. early promise. It was really funny. I mean, I loved it. I would watch it again. Yeah, Julie Brown. Yeah, wrote it based on a, a 
song on Jim one of her Carrey's comedy albums. Jim Carrey's in it? It's so weird. Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans yes. are like the assistant aliens to Jeff Goldblum's lead alien. And it's Jeff Goldblum was a, was a hottie back then. Yeah, he was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else did we watch? Um, Heather's, which I had seen recently. Yeah, I'd seen it pretty recently too, but. It's so great. That, that's up there of the movie that I've seen the most times. Mm-hmm. Though I, I, and I used to have it on the top hundred. I don't think it's quite deserving of that because it's got some problems too. But in terms of, oh. in terms of like quotability. Yeah. And something that puts me in a very specific time of my life and a very specific time in human history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just feels, it exudes 1989. But yeah. I love, I love Heather's. Oh, we watched Reality Bites. Yeah. Did not hold up so well. See, that's such a nostalgia film for me. It really takes me back to high school in a very specific real way. <laughs> that's a movie that like, I mean, uh, I don't think I'm overstating it to say like that is exactly my generation. Yeah. Like some of those actors are maybe slightly older than me. Some are slightly younger, but I think that target demo. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the people who liked that movie were the people like you who were in high school at the time who were aspirational to be that life. Yeah. I was actually living that life. <laughs> and so it like maybe hit too close to home for me mm-hmm. to really resonate. I mean, it was worth seeing. Yeah. And Winona and Ethan Hawke are great in it. I yeah. think. I mean, I remembered a... it being more of a comedy and it really isn't. Right. I mean, there's funny moments. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. You're sorry. Ugh, reality bites. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that Winona Ryder is like so, um, I'm not super into her now necessarily, though I'm glad she's working consistently again. Yeah. But like if you look at that movie, if you look at Heather's, She's so iconic for for the 90s, late 80s, 90s, Beetlejuice. Oh, she's so great. It's such a bummer that she doesn't kind of have more of a respect, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean... Am I wrong in saying that? I don't think you are. I mean, I don't think she's somebody who comes to mind of the great movie stars, but for like a certain period... For like 10 years. For 10 years... Uh, and for a certain demographic, I think she, I, she's similar in a sense of John Cusack of like somebody who was like making those started in like high school movies when they literally were teenagers and yeah. then kind of segued into adulthood, but like kept the, the high quality of their movies pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And like I, I always say that Cusack is like the voice of my generation <laughs> just uh-huh. cause like from the sure thing through high fidelity. Uh, he was the guy that like represented me right up there. We watched the high fidelity TV series. Oh yeah. I watched it twice. Was that even during the quarantine? I think we no. started it before pre quarantine. Yeah. No, but, I wa- like that a lot. I watched it the second time during, who cares? This is boring. Sorry. <laughs> no, they need to know everything they we watch. They don't need to know. <laughs> um, okay. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Carla, my number one movie. Some of the Craig's listeners have already guessed it. And I will say that we had a little Easter egg in every single episode that mm-hmm. told you exactly what the number one movie was. Also, I kind of think the title of the podcast was an homage to the movie. Mm-hmm. I realize that Craig's List is also the a popular website that has <laughs> uh, that where you can pick up somebody's mattress. 
but uh, it's an homage to Schindler's List. Yeah. And that's my number one movie of all time. My favorite movie of all time came out in 1993. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. It stars Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley, Ray Fiennes, and it's called Schindler's List. Yep. This won the Best Picture Award in 1993 at the Academy Awards. In fact, it was nominated for 12 Oscars, winning seven of them. Did Re- Spielberg win director? Spielberg did win director for the first time in his career. That's great. I think he had even been given at a lifetime achievement before Schindler's List. Really? I think so, which Ugh. seems crazy because he was still so young mm-hmm. at that time. But I think there was that fear that he was never going to win. I mm-hmm. think he had maybe lost four or five times for best director before then. Got it. Uh, and so he finally got the award for, for Schindler's List. Uh, right now it's number eight on the AFI list. It's number six on the IMDb and it's number one on Craigslist. <laughs> what do you think of that as a choice, Carla? Um, I mean, it's an incredible movie. I don't begrudge this choice <laughs> or you for making it. <laughs> I just begrudge that I had to sit through it again. Over the years that we've been doing this podcast or that people have been aware of the list, if it's somebody who doesn't know me too well and they've like asked, like, what's your number one? I'd be like, uh, hey, you got to keep listening to the podcast or whatever. But if it's a close friend who really wants to know, then I'll say Schindler's List. And the reaction that I always get is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that it's like an inspired choice necessarily. And it's so bleak. <laughs> I mean, I know it's hopeful at the end, I suppose. I have something to say about that. But yes, continue. Um, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's an unusual choice for film buffs necessarily. No. I mean, it's universally admired. You know, right. there are a few detractors, but, you know, they're, they're very, uh, minor voices. But, yeah. um, I just think it's, it's nobody's favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> Except for mine, probably. Well, and it, I think most people, when they talk about their favorite movie, it's usually something that people's eyes light up of like, oh, I love that. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's, I think that's something that I talked to you about while we were watching it, which is like, I've always had, and we've talked about this many times over the last hundred years of our lives doing this podcast. <laughs> I've always questioned the choice of favorite movies, the, 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 the choice of the word favorite. Mm-hmm. Because favorite implies some sort of, it brings you delight in some way and it tickles you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being serious. When you say you're like, what's your favorite food? Um, pizza, (laughs) let's say. And you're like, yeah, pizza. I love pizza. Now, what's the best food in the world? Well, then you would say something like, also pizza. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best food you've ever had? Uh, what's my point? I I think that like this is probably one of the best movies ever made. Is it one of my favorite movies? Fuck no, it's not. <laughs> like I would never even put this on a top 100 list of favorite films. Really? But it's a fantastic movie. I think it's kind of flawless. Like I don't have any real harsh criticism of anything that any choices that were made of anything, you know. So anyways, what's my point? It's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't associate favorite as necessarily like bringing me joy. And that's, I guess that's fair. Maybe that's just a subjective, you know, interpretation of that word. 
I think I also find I find pleasure in watching craftsmanship at its highest level. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm just a fan of of movie making and I think Steven Spielberg is my favorite director and I think is technically the most adept filmmaker of all time. Like he knows what he's doing and yeah. he knows how to communicate in cinematic language better than anybody else. So you combine my favorite director with an important subject that also meant a lot to him mm-hmm. and the Holocaust being, you know, the, the most horrific thing that's happened in human existence. Right. And something that's really important. So you combine the importance of the subject matter with the importance of the filmmaker. I think my logic is I've never seen a better made movie Mm -hmm. and no movie has moved me more. Mm -hmm. And between those two things, I just don't know what other criteria I would use. I mean, I think that's a reasonable explanation. You know, I, I do. I just think when I say what's my favorite movie, it's like it's the movie I could watch over and over a million times. I could watch it in the middle of the night. I could watch it in the morning. <laughs> and for me, Schindler's List, while I do agree it's incredible craftsmanship, I'm never going to watch that thing ever again. You know, and like I had already seen it, too, which I think is yes. an important point for me to make so that people don't think that I'm being, you know, like I've. I feel like over this pot, over the time of this podcast, some people have really come after me for like liking stupid movies or not like giving enough respect to your choices or whatever. But, I don't, I don't think so. Well, go read the iTunes okay. comments, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I haven't done in a couple years actually. But what was my point? My point is, is I'd already seen it. Um, was this the second time? I don't, it must have just been the second time. I think I only ever saw it once. I can't imagine a Carla. That would ever sit through this a second time. <laughs> in uh, all the alternate universes. Yeah. Of all the possible Carlas. I don't think Carlas do that. <laughs> <laughs> Carlas don't do that. I don't think Carlas do that. When did you first see it? Well, this is a big question for me. And it's one that I haven't figured out still. I think it was high school. But there's a possibility it was college. Okay. Because it came remember. out in 93 when you would have been 13. That doesn't seem right. That was eighth grade. I definitely didn't see it then. Although I've been... Zooming with my high school girlfriends every week. Um, and we were talking about this last week and two of them saw it together in the eighth grade. Wow. Their parents dropped them off at the theater. Nicole and Angie. <laughs> Just dropped them off like have fun. Yeah. They were like, well, I don't know that they said had fun, but <laughs> I don't want to put words in their mouth. But yeah, like the two of them saw it together when they were 13, which is kind of mind boggling to me. So I don't remember exactly when I saw it, but I know that I was young and I, I'm guessing I only saw it once. I believe this is the fourth time, maybe fifth. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I actually saw it twice during the original run. And this is something that, and I know you and I know that you're not this person. So, but I do want to say this out loud because <laughs> It is something that I thought about when we were watching this, which is like, I don't think this is entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't feel like this is something we should watch and enjoy. And that's a feeling. So therefore it's subjective. And I understand that. Like you get joy out of the craftsmanship, like you said, because it moves you. I, something about that kind of turns my, my, my stomach personally for Carla, because I'm just so emotionally affected and probably too much. 
of she, a basket case. You think there's something kind of perverse about watching it multiple times. Yeah. And I know that you're not, I mean, obviously you're not a bad guy. So I don't want to, like, I don't want to put that label on you. I don't want to say that because I do think that that's disrespectful of your, um, it's your hobby, you know, like you're a film buff and I can respect that. But yeah, but there's just something about that where I'm like, ah, this is, I don't know. This is not okay to just like <laughs> keep watching this again and again. I think it's a valid point. Absolutely. And I mean, what you said about favorite movies, I'm by far in the minority. I think 99% of people agree with you in that favorite movie equates to the thing that you can watch the most times that all the, with no diminishing returns and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's what most people mean. I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> no. Wait, um, wait, wait. Did it take us four years <laughs> to get to this place where we can say you and I are different? Hmm. <laughs> and we're okay with that <laughs> wow you know you're right much like oscar schindler's slow realization of like the right thing to do over the course of this movie i was thinking of harry and sally <laughs> <laughs> you're right you're right i know you're right <laughs> which we watched together as well we did watch when harry met sally a few weeks ago yeah i think you fell asleep but uh... i mean typical <laughs> Still my favorite movie. I definitely saw this movie the day it came out. Mm -hmm. 1993, probably December of 1993. Uh, I was living in Chicago. It was the second year that I was in Chicago. I worked at the Water Tower Place Mall on Michigan Avenue. I worked at D.B. Kaplan's Deli on the seventh floor. And then there was a movie theater in Water Tower Place. So probably after a shift, uh, I went and saw this movie uh, the day that it came out. Uh, Chicago... Also has a heavy Jewish population, heavy Polish population as well. I grew up in the suburbs of DC, which are very kind of, nobody sticks around for long, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a lot of identity as a place that you're from. And I also grew up with no religion. So working in this Jewish deli for two years, and I'm not saying that I was like, uh, after two years in this deli, I was like really tapped into the Jewish culture, right. you know. Um, but it was interesting to live in Chicago where um, Chicago is definitely a place and that people who are from that place identify heavily mm-hmm. with that. And getting to serve a lot of Jewish customers and serving uh, Jewish deli staples as well was an introduction to me to a culture uh, that was brand new. So I think there was something about the resonance of that. And then I read in the Chicago Tribune the next day an article about Holocaust survivors who had gone to that screening that I was at mm-hmm. of Schindler's List and interviewing them. Oh, wow. And it's not like I could look around me and be like, oh, a lot of these people look like Holocaust survivors. <laughs> right. But of like the, I can say that there was something just kind of hung in the air, the atmosphere of that screening that felt, I mean, obviously just watching the movie on a big screen mm-hmm. uh, was incredibly powerful, but it felt like it was more than that in, in some way. And so just knowing that I was watching it with people who had lived through experiences that were similar to what was depicted up there on the screen, I think made the movie resonate with me even more. Mm-hmm. I bought it when it first came out on VHS, watched it then. Mm-hmm. I bought it when it first came out on DVD, watched it then. And I think that was the last time that I had been updating the list uh, before this. So this is uh, probably the fourth time that I had 
seen it. Wow. And it is a tough watch. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it's not like I'm a robot, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I can just watch, um, depictions of, you know, the liquidization of the ghetto or, you know, the, the horrors at the concentration camps and not be affected by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do think that you react emotionally to things much more deeply than, than I do where there's things that you just, you just don't want to see depicted on, on the screen, you know? Right. And I understand why it's important in this story for those things to be seen and shown and told. (laughs) But I just, because I had already seen it, I actually had images burn in my brain from the first time that I had seen this. You remembered a scene vividly that I don't think most people would that you actually refused to to watch that scene again and asked me, you know, you went to the other room and asked me to tell you when it was over. Yeah. So there were like definite moments that I just won't ever forget, which, you know, is a testament to the filmmaking and how powerful it is. Yeah, I definitely I I left a few times crying, left the room. Yeah, it was rough. And then, you know, also there's like this was the first couple weeks of the this pandemic yes. that's happening yes <laughs> which i'm not laughing at the pandemic i'm just laughing at like how bizarre life is at this particular moment in time it was already going to be tough to watch this movie and also i, I guess we should say that you still had a pass left you i did could have used your pass on this movie well and we've been joking about this for years which was like because i i already knew what your number one movie was because we're married and i that's something i just know about you yes uh and I kept saying for years, like, I'm going to save that last pass for Schindler's List because I'm not watching that movie again. And I always, always thought that you were going to stick to that. And then, but as we got closer, I just kind of realized, like, uh, that's funny. That's kind of like a funny choice, but it's also kind of disrespectful to this whole process and not really like, it's just not giving myself enough credit or giving your list enough credit. And I just didn't want to be dismissive in that way. After having spent hundreds of hours watching <laughs> movies <laughs> with you. I so. appreciate that. It legitimately surprised me that you were willing to watch it. It's surprised me too. <laughs> and the other rule that we kind of set up early on was that you really only have to watch a third of the movie. And yes. I would say you watched 90% of the movie. I watched, I don't know if it was 90, but I watched a lot. I watched most of it. You watched most of it. Uh, you skipped some of the most horrific parts. Yeah, I left for the Auschwitz stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But even then, I went back and showed you a few scenes that I wanted you just to remember that were mm-hmm. important to me, and you were willing to watch those as well. Yeah. Now, you say that it's bleak, and it is, um, but then I also think that the the turnaround at the end is as powerful as, as anything. Uh, I mean... You watched me as the end of this movie happened. I was, you know, sobbing mm-hmm. beyond control. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm so moved by this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the basic plot is Oscar Schindler is a, uh, Czechoslovakian industrialist. He comes to Poland at the time that the war is breaking out and the, the Jews are beginning to be, shuttled into work camps and concentration camps and the ghetto is being formed in Krakow and he 
kind of uh, ingratiates himself with the Nazis in order to profit mm-hmm. uh, on the the war effort. And so he creates this factory, begins hiring Jews because they'll work for free uh, for his factory to turn out enamelware, cookware for the German military. And slowly but surely, he recognizes what's happening and begins to save the Jews who were working for his factory. And it's just an incredible story. Mm-hmm. It really happened. And the, the way that Spielberg handles, especially like the last half hour of the movie is just so powerful. And I, I've just never had a movie had that effect on me. Yeah. E.T. <laughs> And maybe be up there as something, mm-hmm. you know, to just emotionally devastate you. Uh, well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit okay. uh, in real time. So this will be the next three hours oh, and 15 God. minutes. No. Uh, I have some a, masks to make. <laughs> in a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. Not a lot of quotes. You were pretty... Yeah. Respectful, I think. But here's a quote just from beginning to sit down and watch the movie. I got an idea. Why don't you start your Schindler's List while I'm cooking and then I don't have to be sad. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Liam Neeson is the lead in this. He's Oscar Schindler. And I mean, everybody loves Liam Neeson, right? I almost think of him as more of a movie star than an actor. Well, now, but I don't know that that was true then. No, he wasn't a big movie star, though he'd been working steadily for about 15 years. But he was known as like a really good actor, I think, right? What was that? Rob Roy or whatever? Rob Roy was after this. Was it? Yeah. Maybe I saw Maybe a year after this. this. Yeah. Um, Dark Man was a Sam Raimi, you know, kind of cartoonish, uh, superhero movie that, that he did, mm. uh, that he was pretty great in. He was in Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives the year before. So I guess my point is that Liam Neeson gives an incredible performance mm-hmm. in, in this movie and uh I shouldn't forget like what a what an amazing actor he is. I, I think it's one of my prof- favorite performances of all time. Who won this year? Ninety three. Was it Tom Hanks? Would have been Tom Hanks for Philadelphia, yeah. Not Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump was the next year. Okay. Yeah. Because Forrest Gump won Best Picture as well. Oh, okay. For 94. Yeah. Hanks won back to back for Philadelphia and I mean, that's a great Forrest performance Gump. too. And, uh, this was Neeson's only nomination that he's ever received for, wow. I was convinced he was nominated for Kinsey for some reason, but I guess that he wasn't. I didn't like that movie. Really? Too sexy for you? Yeah. <laughs> too much sex. <laughs> um, but what do you think of Liam Neeson in this movie? He's great. I just said that. <laughs> uh, All the actors are great. Ray Fiennes is great. I think this is the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, it was the first thing anybody had oh, seen wait, him in. No, you know what? I probably saw English Patient before I ever saw this. Oh, yeah, because you watched Schindler's List later. But yeah, yeah Ray Fiennes was pretty much a complete unknown when this movie came out. And he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for it. Do you know who won? 93 would have been Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. That's probably one of the most iconic supporting actor performances, yeah. actually. Um, but Ray Fiennes is Amon Gert, who is the head of the uh, the concentration camp, and he's just one of the most repulsive uh, depictions of, of villainy yeah. ever, ever on screen. Yeah. Uh, 
But I want to talk more about him later. Until Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Even just one of the early scenes. Uh, I said that because Ray Fiennes played Voldemort. We, I think everybody knows that, Carla. Okay. I just didn't want you to think I was being an asshole for no reason. <laughs> but the artistry, like, early on, like, you start with, like, uh, there's a, a Jewish family kind of praying uh, at Shabbat. They light a candle. This is all in color. And then the candle... Uh, blows out and the flame of the candle in color goes into black and white and becomes the puff of a steam train. So, I mean, this is just Spielberg at the the top of his game, the amount of artistry that he put into this. He had mixed feelings about making this movie. Mm-hmm. I think he had the project for about 10 years before he felt equipped that he could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he wanted... Polanski to direct it. Mm. Polanski eventually made The Pianist, which was his own Holocaust. That's a great movie, movie. too. Yeah. Even though Roman Polanski is a real grosso. That's true. Uh, Scorsese was going to direct Schindler's List at really? one point. And Spielberg and Scorsese swapped movies because Spiel- Spielberg was going to do Cape Fear. And oh, then wow. they decided to, uh, to swap. I think it's a good choice. Uh, but Cape you Fear's know- great. Cape Fear is a great movie, too. That might be your favorite Scorsese. Just might. Do you know the story of how this movie came to be? I don't. Uh, Leopold Pfefferberg, or Poldek, who is one of the characters in the movie, he's the guy who's like the black market salesman yeah. uh, early on. And uh, he's the one who like hides in the sewers during uh, when they're invading the, uh, the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, a Schindler Jew and survived the war with his wife, Mila, their characters in the movie. And he later became a successful, um, he ran a luggage shop in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. Um, and I guess he almost had a deal to make the movie in like the early sixties, um, with, uh, uh, with a studio and it fell through. And in the early eighties, a, a writer named Thomas Keneally came into his luggage shop and he'd been trying to just tell anybody about the Schindler story. It wasn't well known. Um, and he got this writer's ear. Uh, Thomas Keneally was an Australian writer who was only in L.A. for a layover and was looking for a suitcase. Wow. And uh, he showed him a bunch of like photos and paperwork and stuff, got Keneally uh, interested, and he wrote a book, Schindler's Ark, uh, which was a historical novel uh, about uh, Schindler. And then that became successful, was sold as a property, and it came into Spielberg's um, – control uh shortly thereafter um and then poldick pfefferberg i think was 80 when the movie finally come came out and he had been trying to have this made as a movie since you know the the early 60s wow janusz kaminski is the cinematographer yeah uh black and white photography i mean this is not only spielberg but this is michael khan is his editor uh john williams of course wrote the great score with itzhak perlman uh, playing the lead violin on it. So it's like so many artists at the, the top of their games. Mm. The early scenes are, uh, of him in the cabaret kind of like wooing the German officers. There's kind of a lightness to it. You know, something I say a lot is I don't trust a movie without jokes. And even Schindler's List has jokes in it. Just right. a few. Yeah. You know, but there's enough to just, um, create a sense of, of levity. And there's a thing where he kind of walks into this cabaret completely unknown. And by the end of the evening, the waiter's like, that, that's Oscar Schindler, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it's such a great montage to 
convey like how much charm this guy yeah. had because you have to believe that mm-hmm. that he could win over these Nazis over the course of the movie. Yeah, 100%. That's so important to the character. Here's Carla at 20 minutes. How much longer do we have? <laughs> Here's Carla. So sad. It's just totally and completely sad and upsetting. Yeah. I love uh, Neeson and Fines in it, but I really think Ben Kingsley is my favorite performance. Yeah, he's incredible in it. in it. He plays Itzhak Stern, who is the accountant who kind of uh, helps uh, Schindler and eventually kind of, you know, he's the one who starts sneaking kind of people into the factory without Schindler really kind of knowing what he's doing. And Schindler kind of catches on of like, what, this guy has one arm. Like he can't operate a, a machine, mm-hmm. you know. Stern is the one character in the movie who is kind of a composite, mm-hmm. you know. So that's something, a liberty that they did take with uh, reality. And I think you were even like a little confused by that because at one point Stern starts working for Gert as mm-hmm. his accountant. And those were two different guys. Okay. Uh, that was not Itzhak Stern. That was a different guy who actually – helped Schindler and typed up the list. So Stern was not really the guy who typed up the list mm. in reality. So that's a, that's a liberty. Well, thanks that- for ruining that for me. <laughs> ben Kingsley, I think is just an actor who can really do anything of like, he has such mm-hmm. range and I don't know. He's just an, uh, such an understated performance and you, you just see the horror in his eyes, but also like the, the strength to, to keep going and the way that he kind of gently, pushes Schindler to the the right thing to do. Like, I just love that relationship between those two main characters. At one point, a character said, should I stay? And Carla said, or should I go now? (laughs) (laughs) This movie, when it was first aired on TV, was aired uncut, too. Hmm. Uh, I think that was the deal that Spielberg cut with NBC or whoever uh, showed it. And I think I actually, I think I did actually watch a little bit of it on TV, not the full movie, but, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty amazing that with the, the nudity and all the horrors and everything that's, yeah. that's up there that they managed to show it uncut. Yeah. I think the thing that Ray Fiennes, I think is just one of the best actors ever. And I, I, I don't think he's in that conversation as much as he should be. He used to be though. It feels like, I don't know. All three of those guys, I feel like at one point were yeah in that conversation. I just think Ray Fiennes has maybe the best range of any actor that I know. Like you always believe him completely as that mm. character because I think so many people were shocked the next year when Quiz Show came out. You know, which oh, Quiz the, Show came out after this, the uh, year after this, yes. Wow, and he's like the you know Charles Van Doren, and he's yeah. you know kind of handsome and romantic and like he even like grew out a little pot belly as Amon mm-hmm. Gert. And obviously this guy was a psychopath, mm-hmm. right? But I think you leave this movie feeling like this was a human, somebody who walked among us, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's what Ray Fiennes manages to do with his performances, really make you feel like this is not I mean, yes, he's a monster metaphorically, but of like, he wasn't literally a monster. He was a human and there are humans like this who live among us and can perpetuate this evil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what makes it all the more horrifying to, to watch, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are moments when you, I don't want to say you feel bad for him because that's not expressing it properly, but where you're like, Oh, he seems really lonely or, Oh, he seems, I don't know. There's just moments that he portrays where that are recognizable. 
Yeah. And then when he turns and does something so totally and or like even when he's hanging out with Schindler and they just seem like buddies, like it just feels like a friendship. Yeah. Or a camaraderie, I guess. And it's recognizable and yeah, and it just it probably I mean it's so powerful because of that. Yeah. But yeah. The scene that you couldn't watch was the one where he kills the woman who's the architect of the grounds, yeah. you know, probably because there's like an element of misogyny on top of that as as well, right? Yeah, like she's just trying to tell them that their building's going to collapse and then he kills her. And I, yeah, I left the room for that, but that's something that I just had burned in my brain from the first time I saw it. Yeah. This is so fucked up that you're making me watch this. Yeah. I got really mad at you at one point. You did. And I was really feeling the whole, like, this is not entertainment and this is not okay for us to be watching it as though it is. And then we watched a documentary on Margaret Atwood, which was great, mm-hmm. by the way. And she, I think they were talking about Handmaid's Tale specifically, but she came out with an Akira Kurosawa quote, which is, you know, it's it's something like, it's the job of the artist not to look away. Mm-hmm. And because we were also watching Schindler's around that same time of like that really stuck with me and i think Mm -hmm. that that is something that's important and i think spielberg did it too with saving private ryan Mm -hmm. like d-day had been depicted uh the you know the normandy beach invasion had been depicted many times in movies but never that graphically and Mm -hmm. i think that's also like why would you ever want to watch that another time and i don't think i have yeah (laughs) i think i told you that i watched saving private ryan twice in one week because the movie literally broke down right after the normandy invasion oh and i got a refund from the theater and then i came back later in the week and i watched that whole sequence again you know but i think i've only ever seen it once but i think spielberg's logic is like these things really happened you know these were our you know, our relatives, our, our family members, our, our friends who, who suffered this. And this is, this is a terrible thing that happened. I need to show it exactly mm-hmm. as it was. Spielberg, by the way, um, refused a salary on this movie. And then any profits that it's ever made, he's directed back into his, uh, Shoah foundation. That's awesome. So I think it's all gone to Holocaust education and. I went to the Jewish History Museum in Warsaw when we were there last year. Yeah. And I was working that day, right? Yeah. And this obviously reminded me a lot of that experience, which is, I don't know, it's an incredible museum. And there are so many just photographs or like the way that they present it, it feels very cinematic within that museum. And it's, yeah, there's just like things that you can't not see ever again. Yeah. And that's how this I feel about this movie, too. And I, I'm glad that I went to that museum. I learned a lot. And I have a much actually clearer understanding of like how, you know, in Poland specifically at that time, how how Jewish people were, you know, just how much racism has been there. But but how it has spanned a thousand years before that. Yeah. Yeah. This whole movie is in Krakow in the out, outskirts of uh, of Krakow. But even just being in Warsaw for a week, I felt like and we were literally inside the Warsaw ghetto, the apartment yeah. that we were staying at. Like mm-hmm. it's inescapable, like how how much it's tied to the to the history there. Mm-hmm. Oh, the girl in the red coat. I think you missed. Right. Because you no, were I sca- saw it. OK. I mean, that's obviously such a famous sequence to colorize mm-hmm. the uh the little girl in the the red coat and schindler is literally like above it all like yeah. he's on a hill overlooking the ghetto protected 
by it. He's on a horse. Like he looks like aristocracy. Mm-hmm. And just the look on Liam Neeson's face is like the real horror of all this mm-hmm. is, is occurring to him. And then later, of course, he sees the body of the girl mm-hmm. kind of piled in a, in a cart later of like, it's such a, it's kind of an audacious choice by Spielberg, but it's so simple as a way of kind of clarifying the, the individualism of these people, like, because so much of what we talk about is a group of people who were murdered. Yeah. But then when you have to like recognize somebody as an individual and then it's, yeah, it's just, it makes it different. Yeah. She's not a statistic. She's a right, person. Exactly. Yeah. Schindler eventually opens a, a new factory in his hometown in Czechoslovakia and uh, he, they they create a list of over a thousand uh, people to rescue. The amount of bribery that he has to do with the German officials, um, like Gert, you know, thinks that he's uh, shafting him in some way that he's working some angle. He can't figure out like what he's doing, but he literally is just spending all of his money to save these people. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to make munitions. They're supposed to make bombs. And artillery, and he refuses to create one working piece mm-hmm. of artillery that could kill uh, one person. And then I think just the it's like a one, two, three punch at the end of the movie. Um, the speech that he gives in the mm-hmm. factory, mm-hmm. and then he sends out the the Nazi guards saying you could kill all of us or you could, you know, leave as men, go back to your families. And not murderers. Not murderers. And then when they boil down, you know, that, that guy's gold fillings into mm-hmm. uh, the gold ring to, to give to Schindler, which has the phrase, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Mm-hmm. Um, his speech to them, where I could have saved one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just devastating. And... And then kind of like another audacious choice to segue from the Schindler Jews walking out of the factory and then it becomes their descendants Mm -hmm. walking uh, toward his grave. And that parade of – I mean it breaks the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. The actors who portrayed the real people in the movie putting a stone on his grave Mm – and then finally at the end, uh, it's Liam Neeson. You don't quite see that it's him kind of lays a rose on the grave. Like it's such a, such an unusual choice, but I think it really kind of hits home. Like these are, I, I just, I can't imagine being the real people who live this life and many movies, obviously that are telling a true story will do that. You know, they'll show a picture at the end or they'll show a little video of the real person, but I think it's never been more effective than Mm -hmm. how Spielberg does it here. And so, yes, it is bleak in that this is the, the, these are the horrors, the worst that humanity can do, but also here's the best that humanity can do. And that's why to me, I don't leave with the feeling that this is something bleak and depressing and Schindler is not a saint. Mm-hmm. He's not a perfect guy. He was just a regular guy. In fact, he was kind of a bad guy. He was kind of a capitalist mm-hmm. um, who was acting selfishly. And I just would like to believe that when faced with 
evil that a regular human being uh, who isn't necessarily perfect can do the right thing. And that to me is the the message that I leave with is that hope that we all have that capability, not maybe to do something as noble and incredible as he did, but that, that we can do the the right thing and that that kind of goodness is within us all. So I know that's a sentimental interpretation of it. Spielberg is, a, is an incredibly sentimental filmmaker, but those are the kind of films I like. I hate movies that are bleak and nihilistic. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's been a couple on this list that you think are, are in that category, and th- those might be true um, because of the time of my life where I saw them. So if if it makes you feel that way, then what does it inspire you as a person to do? I because think, there is like an element to just talking about it. <laughs> that's true. And feeling it. But like what action does it inspire you to take? And I'm not saying that you have to answer that. I'm just like posing that as a philosophical question. Yeah. I hope I'm never in a position to have to make a choice. Well, <laughs> like like that. for sure, but yeah. we are right now collectively yeah. in this very strange and isolating position right now as people all over the world. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess that's that's part of it too for me. It's like, well, we can all in Los Angeles sit around and watch these movies. <laughs> sure. <laughs> again and again and cry and whatever, but like at what point does it really affect us to to the point where we can make a difference well i think that's the fear that like when matched up uh against that that we that we won't be worthy right of the challenge right you know and i think we we have had incredibly privileged lives mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm not i'm not trying to like yeah judge anything about whatever i'm just saying like that's something that makes that that i think of when i see a movie like this i don't know and so maybe it's less inspiring than than depressing to, to think about a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, well, what do I really do? To, I mean, I don't know. Like <laughs> this shouldn't be therapy. <laughs> but <laughs> There's that, that makes me feel a little hopeless sometimes. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's the audience. The audience's part in all of this is just a little foggy for me to witness. It obviously is important to bear witness to it as closely as possible, which is why he wanted it to be so real. Probably. But then beyond that, now what? You know what I mean? I think if you make one mask that saves one person <laughs> from COVID-19. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> well, Craig's listeners, like, we knew that this would be a heavy discussion. And yeah. so we we knew that this would not be the entire episode. So we do have other things <gasps> Well, yeah, and that's also, I just want to kind of say for a second, that's why it's been so hard to not even just watch this movie, but to finally sit down and talk about this movie. Because there's a lot of like tongue in cheek, not every episode, but for many of these movies that we have fun with like this dynamic of me kind of teasing you about it or making fun of you or whatever. And it's all in in good fun. But this is, yeah, again, it's not entertainment. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> be entertaining about this sure. film. You want to give it the weight it deserves, right? And yeah. so that's why I've been putting off doing it because, and I, in this moment, feel very insecure about how well it's going. Quite honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Craig Sessers, right back. Let us know how it's going. Well, I can really go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like I rarely live in the middle too much meaning like i'm sometimes way too serious about stuff which i might have just 
given many examples of in the last 20 minutes or so. You want to give this movie a letter grade? It's an A plus for sure. It's a fantastic movie. Come on. Should it still be my number one movie on the list? Well, this is not my, I don't feel qualified to answer that because you and I have such different opinions of favorite, what the word favorite means. Yeah. If it's not, then I'd be going with The Godfather. I mean, they're both great movies. I think this is probably a more important film. Oh, God. Don't come after me on Twitter, people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm keeping it at number one. Yeah. I wouldn't judge you for keeping it number one. I think that seems right. I know it's not a fun choice. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be. It's not a fun choice. It's just, you know, (laughs) it's just hard to then, like, pull somebody into this. (laughs) Again, no movie has affected me emotionally more, and I've never seen a better made movie so yeah the combination of aesthetically and the storytelling and the emotional impact and the importance of it all of those factors are the highest degree for me so i i just don't see that i can compare anything else mm-hmm. to it will i watch it again in my life probably probably <laughs> will i <laughs> oh, fuck no <laughs> <laughs> well, since I got it on v- VHS when it came out, I got it on DVD when it came out. Uh, no need to purchase it on streaming, I think. But at some point, there'll be a format where a movie will go directly into your brainstem Ugh. and you can just access it you know, at any point you want. So I'll probably purchase it at that point. <laughs> okay. Craig's listeners, here comes the fun part. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Too much pressure. <laughs> this, no, no, guys. Guys, guys. guys seriously. This, this is, is going to be so much, much fun. Like two months ago when we were, when we would release the Godfather episode, number two. I can't believe that's been two months ago. I threw this out there on our Twitter. Craig's listeners were probably a couple weeks out from our final question mark episode, but you can help us prepare for our retrospective. Please tweet any questions you'd like answered at us. And Craig is happy to address any and all why not this movie suggestions you have. I honestly expected more just like, Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? There weren't that many, really. Yeah. Which is good. But uh, let's answer some viewer mail. Okay. Listener mail. <laughs> Viewers. Uh, if we had to put this out as a video podcast, uh, <laughs> what would we look like right now? Unshowered. Yeah, sweats. In our sweatpants. We have two dogs just lying on the couch <laughs> with us, totally zoned out. It would not be flattering. But it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful overcast day in Los Angeles. First question is from Jenna, who we know. Hi, Jenna. Uh, Jenna just sent you something. Yeah, she's so nice. She sent me a bunch of Shit's Creek stuff that she made. Jenna, thank you so much for listening. Craig, is there a movie you've loved so much you immediately saw it two more times just for it to become list eligible. Oh. Schindler's List. Uh, <laughs> no, because I think like that you've got to let it simmer a, a little bit. And even when I have a really strong reaction to something, like Knives Out was a movie that I saw two days later, mostly just because my parents were in town. I'm like, I need a good movie to take my parents to. Yeah. That, that's more coincidental. Usually I like to let it least six months go by or so before mm-hmm. I see something again. 
But I think, yeah, it's always three times before a movie can be on the list has been my arbitrary rule right. that I've uh, given. But when I was in a, a sophomore in high school, I saw Sense and Sensibility five times in the movie theater. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Probably I, over a month. Yeah. And I th- I think you are like, again, you watch the High Fidelity TV series right away a second time. Yeah. You know. I really loved it. I hardly ever rewatch TV. Like there's been Me too. I rarely do. That's why it was so unusual. It was yeah. unusual for me. But I don't know. Friends? Oh uh, no, yeah, that's Parks right. and Rec? Like Yeah, I watch those again and again. Um, I'm rewatching Fleabag right now. Yeah, and I loved Fleabag. Yeah. I guess I'm so preoccupied with like there's so much else that I have to watch. Yeah. Like I'm always like You watch probably four times the amount of stuff that I ever watch. Yeah. So I just can't imagine uh, things. I, I rewatch movies. I really don't rewatch TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also from Jenna Craig and Carla. Which recent movie is most likely to make the list? Thank you both for this entertaining and informative ride. Ah, she's so nice. I do know one movie that is almost definitely going to be in the top 100. I just haven't rewatched it yet. I know what it is. What is that? Little Women. No. Oh. No. Uh, well, well, this is not necessarily recent, but this is six years ago. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. I love the Grand Budapest Hotel. I feel like I need another Wes Anderson on the top 100, and I love that movie. And that's I my favorite it. Ray Fiennes movie of all time. Me too. And it's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. So that's a relatively recent. In terms of like the last two years, yes. Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite. Parasite and Roma are movies Roma. that yeah, come Roma's to mind incredible. that I think are possible top 100 contenders. Yeah. Uh, this is from Chris Royce, somebody who's uh, supported our podcast from the very it's beginning. Very nice. Goes out of his way to tweet nice things uh, so about us. Chris we're is not wor- very We're not very active, <laughs> but we appreciate it, everybody. <laughs> uh, Chris has worked with Janet Vardery and her JV Club podcast for years yeah. as well. Uh, Chris, I would love to see the pre-podcast list and the post-podcast list side by side once you've finished watching. Nice. I, I think that can That's be done. That's a great idea. I think that can be done. Uh, P.S. Thanks for this show. You've motivated me to watch some old classics that I might not have gotten around to otherwise. That's awesome. Uh, Chris Royce actually has a podcast uh, that we love with Stevie Jackson. Oh, yeah. You've been on it. Yeah. It's called The Talent Crush Chat Show. And you talked about... Catherine O'Hara. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Please give that a listen as well. Kyle McCowan says, will the list have more changes than it typically does because of the discussions? Yes. Interesting. Absolutely. I will say that watching these movies with Carla and friends, mm-hmm. the many great friends that we've had uh, over the years to help us do this podcast. Yeah. I think it absolutely has influenced my choices. And I definitely would not have taken out as much Woody Allen. Uh, as I have done <laughs> if I had not watched it again with Carla. And then there's other movies that I have removed for that reason as well. So I think you were a big influence on the new version of the list. That's awesome. Carla. Any movies joining or leaving for the first time ever, we will get to that. Uh, because I will update everybody on the new status of the list uh, after these questions. Which Carla or guest grades were shocking? <laughs> I will tell you that I did not expect Carla and our friend Jeff Passano to hate Close Encounters of the Third Kind <laughs> as much as they did. I maybe expected Carla to not be that into it, 
But Jeff, who is a huge E.T. and Spielberg fan, did not care for Close Encounters. He really didn't. Either. You never know with that guy. <laughs> I, I did not expect our friend Nancy to side with me on Wings of Desire. Neither did I, That was a, by the way. That was a real shocker. That was a real disappointment, Nancy. Oh, and we watched uh, Taxi Driver with our friend Aaron Gino Reagan. And she right. loved it. <laughs> That's right. That shocked me as well. I was so surprised. Because you hated that. And in terms of positive, uh, I was pleasantly surprised that Carla liked Nashville as much as she did. I did. I like it a lot. And that you gave Brazil a B plus yeah. also surprised me as well. That's fun. Any movies you love will always watch and being list worthy that different. What? Are you okay? I- <laughs> I'm reading the question verbatim. You should ask Kyle if he's okay. Uh, I think what he's asking is, is there a difference between being list worthy or just movies that I will always watch? And I think, Uh. yeah, there is. I think one downside to not having cable anymore is you can't have the just stumble across a movie midway through on cable and like, I have to finish this. Right. You know, one of those movies for me is Midnight Run. Oh, yeah. I've with, never seen that. Uh, with Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. I'm curious as to whether you would enjoy that or whether it holds up. I don't know if I'm curious enough to watch <laughs> you it. You should be. It's <laughs> fucking great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like everybody else, I have those movies that are just purely uh, pleasurable for me. Yeah, me too. But maybe, uh, maybe my snobbery makes me lean more toward the serious when actually putting the list together. I just saw the craziest thing outside our window. I just saw, I didn't want to interrupt you mid thought, but there was a a truck or a van that came down the road and the two kids were uh, hanging out of the, what's that window on the top called? Moonroof? A (laughs) moonroof. Like two small children. Great. How small are we talking? Like probably six and seven. Okay. Did it look dangerous? Yeah. Are you not supposed to do that, right? I don't think so. Like people in movies do that when they're drunk and going to prom. Right. It never ends well. It never ends well. (laughs) Quarantine times, man. (laughs) I'm sure that's what it is. Their parents are probably like, oh, we got to give them some fresh air. (laughs) Uh, Here's some questions from Corey Funk. Corey Funk has been somebody who's been a a regular responder to the podcast. He's he's popped in with trivia a bunch of times. Yeah, he's been great at that. Yeah, uh, he's he's done some good um, research research for us. For real. uh, Thank you for your dedication, Corey. I'm 2.5 eps back, so I'm okay with this lag. (laughs) Question, what was the biggest surprise to move up the list? Actually, I think I have statistics on that. The biggest jump... You have statistics on that. By the way, (laughs) this is how my brain works, Carla. What moved up the most? Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, it's the best. Leapt 38 spots on the list. It's in my top five for sure. And I think that was a big influence of... Carla loving that movie so much. Like I, I had it on, I had it like in the nineties, I think. And now it's in the fifties. It's so great. And Remember that one, everyone? That was way back at whatever. And right? then the next two to move up the list, uh, the most notches were Eternal Sunshine moved up 29 spots. Toy Story 3 moved up 25 spots. Wow. But I would say those are more because they're more recent movies. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think rewatching them just made me, Say of like, okay, those are not just recent movies that I love. Those are all time. 
classics. And Eternal Sunshine isn't that recent. No, it's like 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really, I would not call that a recent movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. What was the biggest surprise to move down the list? Well, I mean, the biggest dropper was Manhattan because it was at number eight and now it's off the list. Yeah. So was that a surprise? I don't know. The biggest uh, in terms of staying on the list but moving down a bunch, uh, it was on the waterfront, moved down 45 spots. Oh, wow. But I'm keeping it. So that I think that surprised me a little bit. Accidental Taurus moved down 39 spots. That may not stay on the list. It shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> Carla and Jackson just hated that movie. Did your marriage survive? Who was asking that? This is still Corey Funk. He's got like 10 questions. Did our marriage survive? So far, so good. We're still here. But yeah, there were some, I mean, we don't really fight. I no. would, I would say I yelled at you though during Schindler's List for making me watch it for sure. Uh, for a few movies, I think you also yelled at me. Yeah. Yeah. Did the two of you feel like this was a good, bad other experience? No, this was a good experience. It was. I just don't. Yeah. Everything that I have a problem with is has to do with me and not you. <laughs> like, I don't feel like our tastes are just so different. I don't know that I did. It did it justice. Oh, I think you absolutely did. Well, that's very nice. I mean. And also, like, I question my tastes. Like, I don't know that I have. I just know what I like, you know, what I respond to. I will say now that although it was it felt like work at times. Uh-huh. Also, like, I've redone the list a few times over the years, but never, like, from 100 to 1. I would jump around, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, what movie do I feel like watching today? Mm-hmm. So I think that's can be huge in terms of, like, if there's just, like, three movies that are kind of a bummer in a row. Right. That that affects your mood for a while. Uh, rather than, like, oh, I feel like watching Star Wars today. Yeah. You know, that's much easier to do it that way. I feel like it helped me articulate my opinions and mm-hmm. to examine prejudices that I had as a white male. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I unfortunately don't think the list will change enough to reflect that, but at least I can acknowledge mm-hmm. that and know that I, <laughs> that I'm, that I'm hearing the, the criticisms. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, um, kind of solidified like this is this is my list and it's true for me and it shouldn't be true for other people right Uh, i mean i will give you credit in that you've never i've never i've never heard you say like this is the right answer these this is how other people should think or feel whereas a lot of times when you get into these conversations with nerdy people who are nerdy about something and i say nerdy with love yeah uh, who are really into something um it's like, well, you really should like this because this is why and like because it's so great and da 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 da. And it's like, well, and I've, and I've been that person. <laughs> so, but I've never had that experience with you. I think movies, you can always have civil discussions about them, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm always interested in other people's opinions. Like it takes a lot to actually like get my blood boiling in a yeah. movie discussion. Like somebody would have to be so There's been maybe a few times, but it was it was less about you being right and more about your feelings being hurt. Mm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even thinking about you or any of our guests. I'm just thinking more of just like talking to some rando about a movie or whatever, you know. There's times like at parties where I'll have to bite my tongue when people come out with movie opinions that I think are particularly ignorant. Yeah. (laughs) But that's different. But I think when you're talking with friends about movies, it's usually pretty respectful, even if you have a difference of opinion. Right. Music 
is way different because music hits you viscerally and emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, and like it's much harder to criticize somebody's favorite song or artist or, you know, album mm-hmm. than it is to criticize their favorite movie, I think. Still, Corey, are you going to eventually do another list-based podcast? Nope. <laughs> You're done. Yeah, I think I'm done. Okay. I do – I would love to at least at some point – let people know what the new list is because it's not done yet. You right. know, I need to rewatch other movies to fill those slots. Would you be willing to maybe just do one follow up episode where we, and you don't even have to see these movies necessarily, but yeah, you, probably. I don't know. Okay. We'll talk about it later. We don't know. We don't know. We don't okay. know. We don't know. I also feel like there's that you should keep doing this. Honestly, like I, I think that there's a scenario where you get like one of your famous friends. <laughs> And you guys like become that podcast and I mean I've thought about doing it with music. Uh-huh. When we have my, my friend Sean, my childhood friend on, like we have very similar musical tastes, but maybe I would need somebody with more pushback. But my point though is the the appeal of this podcast is Carla. That's not true. It's not Craig. So I think without Carla, it's not the podcast. All of these people are are your fans from other things? So no, that's no. yes, yes, yes. Maybe they started that way, but now they're Carla fans. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Did that's y- not. I yeah. I'm and I'm the person. I'm the person who I get very sick of myself very quickly. So like I'm a I'm a hindrance to this because <laughs> I don't even think I've ever listened to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. I think I listened to part of the Fellini one, the very first one we yeah, did. Yeah, La Dolce Vita. And I was like, whoa, this is not, this is just, Carla, you sound like an idiot. And I <laughs> turned it off. And that was almost four years ago. Uh, I'm reading these off of Twitter, by the way, and I'm so intrigued by the fact that Ruckers is trending that I'm tempted to, uh, <laughs> tempted to click on that. But they I'm probably not. got one of those small business loans that... <laughs> They ran oh, out of I money. They did. I, I love Fuddruckers. Fuck Fuddruckers. <laughs> <laughs> did guests get to see the whole list for scheduling purposes? We usually matched, like, had an idea of who would be a good match for a, for the movie. And in some cases, I would think we started doing this more and more during the back half, really trying to pair people with what we knew was their favorite movie. Yeah. And that really had a great impact, I think. Yeah, I think, yes, I agree. Yeah, because earlier on, it was just like people that we were friends with that we knew we had a good rapport with. In some cases, we were assigning them something that they, they had, had never seen. They had never seen. Yeah. And that produced interesting results, too. But yeah. I, my favorite episodes, when I think about my favorite episodes, is nearly always when we were talking with somebody about their favorite movie. Yeah, like Jeff with the E.T. episode is one that comes to mind. Paul for Jaws, yep. Liz for Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. What does Benny think of the Enterprise coming to an end? Benny doesn't care about anything except himself. <laughs> <laughs> and then Corey finishes with, I've really enjoyed following along. Thank you both for putting this into the world. What a sweetheart. Brian Mojica says, I have no questions, but want to tell you how devastated I am that this is coming to an end. Ah, that's really nice. Sean O'Sullivan says, what's next? I know it'll be a million years for another Craig's 100 list. Carla would surely divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nice hearing your voices together with guests on this podcast. Maybe there's another avenue to keep uh, keep at to keep Craigslist going. That's really sweet. Thank you, Sean. I mean, I'm not saying no forever. I think it's. I think my biggest problem is that ever since I started working in arts management, where I'm like working at a theater producing shows and stuff, like my creative energy is. Oh, I'm such a complainer. But 
I just, this feels like work sometimes in a way that I already feel like I'm doing a lot of this kind of work. It's a bandwidth issue. Yeah. Brian uh, Tatoski says, Craig, what, what film have you most rethought after this round of reviewing? I think it's probably those Woody Allens. Yeah. I, I, and I think specifically, cause I knew Manhattan was problematic. So mm-hmm. the, that did not come as much of a surprise to me as crimes and misdemeanors, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think that was one that I expected I would keep on the list despite the problems with it. But I think I was so repulsed by the moral right. grandstanding of yeah. it. I still really admire it as a work of art, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, as a work of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But because there was a moral component to it coming from Woody Allen, it really uh, gave me a distaste. It really gave me a <laughs> feeling of pooping. And then Brian says, Carla, were you ever tempted to save your last pass for Craig's number one movie just to make him go crazy? I think we addressed that. Yep. <laughs> now Chris's pod racing says... Let's first borrow an old yearbook classic, What a Ride It Has Been. <laughs> Thanks for delivering great entertainment on a wonderful subject. I love that. <laughs> As to the why not, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, you've gotten flack from that before. That's definitely a film buff, film buff movie. That, right? I think that- if Jaws is not his favorite movie, then Lawrence is. I think Lawrence of Arabia is his favorite movie. That might be true. I have seen Lawrence of Arabia probably three times. I th- admire it greatly. I think it's a masterpiece. It, uh, along with 2001, that is one of those, you gotta see it on the big screen. Movies. Yeah. And I did see it on the big screen the first time I saw it. I was in college at the time at our local, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia oh boy, theater. Boy, we have to do a thing on Lawrence of Arabia right now. <laughs> but it's a four hour movie. I honestly, my mind starts wondering during the back half. I've never seen it. I tried. I'm not on top of everything that's happening politically in yeah. that movie. There's a lot going. And if you talk about a dude-heavy movie, I mean, I don't think there's a woman with a speaking part in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, really? No. Oh. Uh, that being said, it's got some of the most memorable images in cinema history. Mm-hmm. Like there The is, photography, right? The is photography what, what is incredible and just the settings that shot of omar sharif in the desert uh slowly approaching starts as a speck and suddenly emerges like uh, you know what i love omar sharif from funny girl of course yeah (laughs) yes i can't see it making the top 100 but it it's a movie i admire greatly i have it on my second hundred the searchers um, What's that? The Searchers is a John Wayne movie uh, oh, right, right, with right. Natalie Wood where uh, she's um, – Too young been... for him? <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's a will they or won't they. <laughs> no, she's his niece <laughs> and she's been kidnapped by uh, Native Americans. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, the Searchers. Cer- no, uh, I'm not a fan of The Searchers though it's got some beautiful photography Why not? as well. You um, don't really like John Wayne though, right? Not a big fan. I'm not a big Western guy, really. Yeah. I like um The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. I think that's by far my favorite John Wayne movie. Because Jimmy Stewart's in it. Because Jimmy Stewart's in it. But right. that's it's John Ford. That's a well-done movie. Shawshank? Shawshank's the number one movie on IMDb. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. I'm surprised it's not on your top 100. Yeah. I think, I mean, to be a real snob, I read the short story first. Yeah. And... I th- I think the movie is great. Like it's not in my top two hundred. Uh, I should see it again though. Like who knows if it stands. Holds it's up. streaming on Netflix right now. I'm uh, I'm curious to see it again. Kurosawa. 
Is there a movie called Kurosawa? I guess you're talking about the entire oeuvre of Akira Kurosawa. No, thank you. I used to have Ron on my top 100, which I think is my favorite Kurosawa. Um, several like real hardcore movie nerds that I've talked to have been like, why not The Seven Samurai? I've actually seen that movie, Craig. Really? Did yeah. you like it? Nope. <laughs> uh, I like, uh, I like Seven Samurai. I've only seen it once. I can't imagine watching it two more times. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, what else Kurosawa do I like? Uh, high and low? I don't know. I like. <laughs> Next um, question. Yeah. <laughs> Na- and Naked Gun is the final, final one. That he <laughs> That's my favorite. We did rewatch that we pretty did. recently. It's so fun. Yeah. Held up as well as it could, I, I guess. I mean, it makes you laugh out loud. Yeah. It's dumb as fuck, but. <laughs> it, it swings and misses a few times, too. Sure. Yeah. And Sean O'Sullivan, uh, did he report? Yeah, there's another from Sean O'Sullivan. How you all doing? We really need the final episode right about now, or at the very least, maybe an episode before it where you answer the Twitter <laughs> questions. Oh, okay, what, we're doing that now. Was that Sean. sent three weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> the, that was sent to my DMs. Um, <laughs> Night Bagel. MattBrown.com says, as a big-time listener, I would just <laughs> like to echo some of my esteemed Twitter colleagues and ask Carla what her biggest surprises of the list were. Were there a few movies that Carla didn't expect to like but ended up really enjoying the fans must know? Oh, interesting. We said Nashville and Brazil. What's on your list again? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think go with your gut here. Is there something that comes to mind? Uh, well, since you said Nashville, like that really makes me want to see many more Altman films. What was, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I'm so bad at this. What was something I was surprised that I liked? I can actually look at your letter grades. I will. Here's something surprising for anybody who listened to the Blue Velvet episode. I took David Lynch's masterclass (laughs) this week because I've been listening to all the masterclasses while I've been sewing and I have a much more of a, an appreciation for Blue Velvet now. <laughs> oh, no. Now you tell me. So oh. that's a shocker to all of us, I'm sure. I took it off the list. Can I put it back on? No. I mean, it's still not <laughs> a top 100. But I didn't know that a lot of that was – or some of that was based on like real stuff that he had seen. And oh. it was – it made more sense listening to him talk about it, which doesn't make it a good movie. I'm just saying I ha- I appreciated it more. I think one that I was really happy with, but it was both you and our friend Mark Warzeka had both like liked Rushmore okay, but uh, didn't really remember it that well. Yeah. And both of you uh, really came out from seeing that a- a- again. And I like, loved oh, it. Oh, this yeah. is a masterpiece. Yeah, I-, I loved it. I thought it was great. That made me happy. Uh, Total Moron says, number one is Schindler's List, right? I wrote, what gave you that idea? And uh, they wrote, the list is absolute. The list is life. And then somebody else wrote, that would be crazy. I love the prediction, though. I was amazed that Star Wars featured at all. Wow. Emma Lennox says, the big question as posed by your title sequences, has your marriage survived? Hope you're well and can't wait to find out what's number one after all these years. (laughs) (laughs) How can anybody put up with this shit? When she says, after all these years, she's not kidding, by the way, because... Do you know when the podcast debuted, Carl? I want to say it was like August of 2016. You were dead right. Yeah. And here's a little indicator of the pace that we were working at over the years. And I'm kind of going with our year-end review uh-huh. episodes because we did four of them. Right. right? Best of 2016, 17, 18, and 19. Between uh, the best of 2016 and best of 2017, we did 48 episodes. Wow. So almost one a week. Wow. 
between 2017 and 2018, we put out 24 episodes. <laughs> so we had slowed to wow. half, half the pace. 2018 to 2019, we put out 14 episodes in Are a year. Are you kidding? Now, That's I think rough. when I say that, I don't know if I'm also including the special Carla's List episodes. I don't think you are. Maybe I'm only doing the ones on my list, but still, those are only a few a We year, probably so. did 10 of mine over the years. I think, though. I, I think, though. You I think, think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Wester PI says, I'm still smarting over the fact that Little Big Man wasn't on there. Instead of Dances with Wolves, you cut me deep. Oh, yeah. Uh, I liked Little Big Man. It was it's on my list early on. You've seen it? Yeah. Dustin Hoffman playing a 121-year-old Native American? No, wait. That's not what I'm thinking What of. are you thinking of? I think of Little Man Tate. <laughs> Little Man Tate. <laughs> <laughs> Little Man Tate is so good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it Dan- is. Uh, I remember liking Little Man Tate. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Little Big Man is specifically a revisionist Western similar to Dances with Wolves. So. <laughs> Lauren Ballman, who we know uh-huh. from the improv world, did Craig Yay. reveal the list to Carla ahead of time or was she told from movie to movie? I've loved this podcast and your conversations. Congrats. Aw, she's so nice. She has a really funny podcast, book club podcast with Jessica. What's the name of it? It's just called Book Club, right? Book Club. Yeah. Look it up. It's really fun. You, um, you knew the list. You knew that Chandler's list was number oh, one. Oh, wait. I have to answer the question. <laughs> um, so we didn't for a while, for a long time, you didn't tell me what they were from week to week. You would just tell me on the podcast. Oh, really? Early on. I think as we started to schedule more and we started to pair movies with exactly. guests, we had to start talking about it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So because we wanted to make sure that – and you were asking my advice, like who could we pair up with this one right. or whatever. So. So I would t- usually tell you in groups of five. Right. Yeah. That, but that's been only the probably the top 30. Carla, top movie from the list, bottom. I actually have done uh, Carla's – the 100 movies in Carla's order. Oh, I've God. done all of Carla's letter Are you going to so read that? No, not, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Craig, do you regret any of it? No. Who are these from? That was from Worked Up. Okay. Allison – not my sister, Allison, says, what are Carla's top 10 movies from the list? We'll get to that. When will we get the Marathon? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> All right. We can do more. <laughs> <laughs> You're not averse to talking about movies. I'm not. If they're Meryl Streep movies. I don't know. Listen to listen to the episode that I did with of We Got This with Pal and Mark. Yeah, that's right. I you talk d- about Meryl Streep there. Yeah. Romo is Matthew says, what movie surprised Carla the most that was on the list? What movie did she most expect to hate that she liked? I think we maybe addressed that. Yeah. Nashville for sure. Also, um, I didn't think I would like 12 Angry Men and I think I liked that, right? You gave it an A plus. I yeah. Think. I, I, that really surprised me because talk about a dude heavy too. movie. Yeah. But I thought that was an excellent movie if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, the movie that surprised me the most to be on the list, it was early on was say anything, knowing that your number one was Schindler's list and how you had all these serious <laughs> movies. And I was like, really say anything is on this list. That's very much a hit me at the right time kind yeah. of movie. Like again, like Cusack is my guy and, uh, Ioni Sky is my girl. <laughs> <laughs> John Mahoney is my dad. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> But I think, you know, also like that one that was in the two-parter, the French movie. Oh, yeah. Jean de Florette, Manon of the Spring. Which was just like a movie. I had, I think I'd heard of all the other movies, at and least like, heard of them. But yes. I was like, I had no idea what that movie was. 
and uh, didn't like it. Did not like it. Yeah. Gregory Lemieux says, if I recall correctly, most foreign films on the list are from French or Italian cinema. Are there movies or directors from other countries that Craig really enjoys but didn't make it into the list? That's a good question. You watch a lot of foreign films, so I... I I think that's a great question because you're, I think your next draft of your list should include more of the stuff that you like. Um, you probably watch more foreign films than anyone I know. <laughs> I do. I do watch a lot of foreign films. Yeah. I would say, I would guess that they're about two thirds French though. I love French films. So funny. I love Juliette Binoche. I love Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. I love well, Isabelle Huppert. Yeah. Hotties, all of them. <laughs> I really like, uh, there's an Argentinian director named, I think his name is Fabian Belinsky and he died young. He only made two movies and I th- think I loved them both. Nine Queens, which was remade as Criminal with, uh, John C. Riley and Diego Luna. Oh, I saw that movie. You saw Criminal? Yeah. Uh, Nine Queens is the Argentinian original. That was and- a good movie. Yeah. Or the and, remake was. I don't know. And then he made a movie called The Aura, which I thought was fantastic. Maybe a worthy contender for the list. And, uh, there's an actor, Ricardo Doreen, who I think is the, like, Argentinian equivalent of Robert De Niro. He's also in that movie, The Secret in Their Eyes, which won the best foreign film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I like Argentinians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Romo would be nice to get a Mexican movie on the top 100, I think. It's such a great movie. Um, I've seen, I took an Ingmar Bergman class in college. Uh, I never need to see any more Bergman. Me uh, yeah. I don't get it. It's pretty heavy though. I've liked other Swedish films that I've seen. I really, I've really done a sampler platter from all around the world. I think other than French and then a fair amount of Italian because I am a big Fellini fan. Uh, I'm really just a dabbler, you know. Um, I just saw a great Romanian uh, spy movie. Oh, really? Called The Whistlers that I really liked. Cool. Um, there's been some good Romanian films over the last 10 years or so. That Romanian abortion film was great. You- Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Okay. So I think everybody wants to know um, what's the status of the list. So we have watched 100 movies. How many of them are staying on the list? And by my calculations of the 100 that we watched, I am keeping 84 of them definitely on the list. Wow. So that's as many as 16 new slots that are available. That's great. Two movies already have been added to the list. So two of those 16 spots have been filled. One of them I already talked about a little bit. When we watched Star Wars, I'm like, I don't know why I took The Empire Strikes Back off the list. Right. So I've put that now in at number 42. Wow. And of course, I had it on the list for years, took it off stupidly last time. And here's another movie that I had on my list for years, took it off stupidly, rewatched it, and I'm like, this movie absolutely should be on the list. And so it's making its re-debut at number 69, When Harry Met Sally. Really? Which is Carla's favorite movie of all time. Number 69, huh? It's not accidental. (laughs) (laughs) Because the central question of that movie is, can men and women be friends and still 69? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so those are... <laughs> those are two, uh, two, those are two new movies that are based, really old movies that are going back on the list. Um, I'm pretty sure, like I said, Grand Budapest Hotel will make the top 100. Yeah. It's um, pretty great. Just needs a rewatch. These movies are definitely, no question, out. Okay. Zelig, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Manhattan. Oof. That gets my Woody Allen total from seven down to four. 
<laughs> There's no way I'm taking out Annie Hall, Hannah and her sisters, Purple Rose of Cairo, or Love and Death. I think three out of four of those I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the rules of the game coming off the list. Good. That was that uh, Jean Renoir French movie from 1939 that Todd Cooper and Carla hated. <laughs> Blue Velvet coming off the list. Good. Gone with the Wind. Interesting. It's a Hollywood classic. The problematic aspects of it are too heavily weighted to to factor out. It's four hours long. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's worth. It's still worth a watch by everyone. And Clark Gable is the best. He's so adorable. But it doesn't need to be on the list. I I don't like. It happened one night is on the list. It so. happened one night still stays on the yeah, list. Yeah, that's of great movie. Yes. This is not a list of the 100 most important movies in Hollywood history. Yeah. You know, I don't like what it represents to have gone with the win on my list. Wow. Oh my God. You just got on a soapbox and you were spewing soap. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I was shamed. See ya. Shamed by Carla and Stephen C. James to take that <laughs> off my list and I will obey. However, keeping Pinocchio Are you? on the list. Um, here are the movies that are on the borderline. They could go out, could stay in. I'm not sure. Say Anything, Dances with Wolves, Tucker, The Man in His Dream, The Squid and the Whale, Time Bandits, The Accidental Tourist. I think all of those can be – I think they're better movies than all of those. <laughs> Time Bandits is the one I feel most conflicted about because it was such an important movie for my childhood. So keep that you know? one and get rid of the rest. And here's three that I'm leaning toward keeping, but if something better comes along, I'm willing to take them out. Dead Poet Society. Oh. That's, again, that is such an important movie for the time that it came out. I think we all, us and Janet, who watched it together, mm -hmm. all kind of realized this is not really a top 100 movie, but the things that are great about it are so great. The things that are bad about it are really bad. Yeah. You know, it's a tough, tough call, but uh, I bet I can finally – Find something to replace it. Splendor in the Grass, kind of borderline for me, but uh, I still like it a lot. Uh, and Poltergeist. Um, I think Poltergeist is pretty cool. I'm heavily leaning toward keeping Poltergeist, yeah. but if I can find something better. Somebody, I think I must have lost this question, but somebody had asked me about Exorcist, Shining, and Rosemary's Baby. Those are all very close to being on the list. Mm. I think I prefer Poltergeist to those as mm -hmm. a horror movie. I'm actually not a genre person in that you know, there's some people who are like, I love slasher movies. Yeah. Like all I need to do is watch a slasher movie. It's like, I like to watch good movies. I don't care what genre they're in mm -hmm. so much, you know? So I think, do I watch a lot of horror? No. Are my favorite horror movies the most obvious horror movies that everybody kind of likes? Yeah. I, I think they are, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm not necessarily a genre fan or a genre dismisser. You know, the, though I think there's probably some genres that I have blind spots in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The top 10, I think, uh, just in case you're curious, Godfather Part 2, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Graduate, The Princess Bride, Casablanca, Brazil, It's a Wonderful Life, Citizen Kane, The Godfather, Schindler's List. Great. Carla, do you remember what the longest movie we watched was? It wasn't Gone with the Wind? No, that was second. I don't remember. It was The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. I don't even remember watching that. <laughs> it was or very early on. Do you remember the shortest? It was probably like Purple Rose of Cairo. It, all the Woody Allen movies are on the shorter side. Zelig was the shortest we watched it. Only an hour 19. I went through and listened 
not in full, but to parts of all episodes, oh every single God. episode that we put out. This couldn't like, let's just boil down how we're different as people. I'm like, I think I listened to part of the very first one we ever did and haven't listened to any since then. <laughs> and you've listened to them all. I love stats. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious. I wanted to take the hundred movies and do your order of them. Oh, wow. Carla, would you like to hazard a guess to now that I can add Schindler's list to the A category? How many of my movies did you give a B plus or higher? Oh, probably a lot. 40? Would it surprise you if I said 52? No, it wouldn't. 52 of my movies. Over half the movies you gave a B plus or higher. That's great. And so I think some people had questions of what were Carla's favorite movies. If we're just going pure letter grade, and I think that might not be the best measure. Yeah, probably not. Because it's... Fresh off of reviewing, you know, you might actually- sometimes I changed my letter grade a little bit if a guest really got me into it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you might look at the list and want to shuffle it around a bit, but there were 11 movies that you gave an A plus. Wow. Okay. And I, this is me just going off the top of my head from what I thought was maybe your 11 to one. So I had 12 Angry Men at number 11, The Godfather at number 10, Silence of the Lambs at number 9, mm-hmm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind at 8, Toy Story 3 at 7, The Purple Rose of Cairo at 6, Sound of Music, To Kill a Mockingbird, Amelie, Dog Day Afternoon, E.T. Interesting. Does that sound fair that those were some of your favorites? Yeah. Not necessarily in that order, but yeah. Uh, E.T., I have to put it number one because you gave it an A++. That Did was the I? only movie oh. you gave an A++ I don't think to. I knew that was possible with some of the others, maybe. <laughs> That's what I mean. Was I drunk? I might have been a little drunk. <laughs> Here are some other notable grades. <laughs> one of my big disappointments was Diner, by the way. <laughs> I thought for sure that having Derek Waters, Baltimore native, on to talk That's about Barry right. Levinson's Baltimore classic Diner – And he and Carla ganged up on me so hard. (laughs) I don't remember. Derek was also (laughs) taking a flight out of town that day. He might have been a little scattered. I don't think his mind was totally on diner. (laughs) (laughs) Carla gave the rules of the game an F (laughs) minus. Of course I did. I wish I'd done that more. And you you gave Blue Velvet a G. So I have to. <laughs> wow. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, our neighbor. <laughs> Obviously, as he has had to. Oh, Benny. You know Jeff. Benny. <laughs> Jeff, our neighbor, just came by. He must have been listening to us do this for the last hour and a half. Poor sorry, guy. sorry, Jeff. Benny, stop. But, but he just put a sign in the window that said, Craig, sorry about my lukewarm feelings on Close Encounters. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, we love you, and uh, we really thank you for having, uh, for being a guest twice. I'm sorry you and didn't like the movie as much. And for having to listen to this stuff for the last couple uh, we're hours. We're really sorry about that. This is the last time. Last time. It's very ever. loud. So Blue Velvet was a G. Uh, you gave the Hustler dot dot dot. Wow. You opted out of grading 2001: Touch of Evil and Paths of Glory. And of course, you famously took a path on Dances with Wolves. You watched Blazing Saddles instead. You took a pass on Raging Bull and watched Soap Dish instead. <laughs> Stupid. Because of the Kathy Moriarty connection. That's right. Uh, decade by decade, Carla, what decade do you think I had the most movies from? The 70s. 
You'd think so, wouldn't you? But there were only 17 from the 70s. I don't know then. I had 31 movies from the 80s. Wow. Which I think says more about my age than yeah, anything else. I, yeah, for sure. From the 80s, I was 11 to 21. Yeah, because you had that Tucker movie on there. Like, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> such a weird movie. I And I only five movies from the aughts and one from the 10s. So I think I've got to amend that by getting some more recent There's stuff. There's been some amazing in movies the, in the past few years. There really has. People are getting better and better at making movies. <laughs> With, they should. I did enjoy going back and listening to some of our best of episodes. Here's Carla and the best of 2016. This is what you said you needed to see in order to complete your 2016 list. You needed to see Sully, Patterson, Tony Erdman. You wanted to finish The Hunger Games, revisit Manchester by the Sea, and you wanted to make me watch Bridget Jones' Baby. We didn't do any of that. We didn't do any of that. <laughs> We did both have the same best performance for 2016, which was Annette Benning in 20th Century Women. Okay. And we, and we both had the same best performance in 2017, too, which was Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. Okay. In 2017, you said, I want to get around to watching Coco. No. Nope. Florida Project. No. Nope. Dunkirk. No. Nope. Call Me By Your Name. Nope. Shape of Water. Nope. The Square. Nope. Oh, I tried to watch The Square. I think I fell asleep. <laughs> this is just some other odds and ends. Um, I, I watched most of The Shape of Water. Yeah. Not with me. I think you watched it when you were in Portland. Yeah. And couldn't get into it. Not my thing. Carla's letter grades, uh, you know, I always ask her if, uh, if it stands for anything in particular. And she had two particular ones that were favorites of mine. For Henry V, uh, of course, directed by and starring Kenneth Branagh, you, you gave it a B for Branatastic. <laughs> Stupid. And Sound Salams, you gave an A plus. I asked you what that stood for and you said, A plus size women, be careful out there. <laughs> So that might be the single funniest Carla moment. Are you curious, uh, Carla? Nope. <laughs> I know you're not, but what are our most popular episodes? What have people listened to the most? So this is an interesting thing to bring up. I don't think I've ever looked at our stats this whole time. Well, they're, they're a little shameful, but I will say one thing about the podcast. What does that mean? They're low? Yeah. I mean, they're low. They're low. <laughs> we have a small but devoted fan base. <laughs> okay. We've never tried to get this on a network. We've never done advertising. You know, yeah. we've never made a cent off of this. You know, we've <laughs> lost money in buying pastries for guests <laughs> and paying for hosting fees. Yeah, that's all right. It's been worth it. It's brought us closer and paying together. for hosting fees. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but yeah, it, this was never about that for us. It was never about the the download. I mean, that's a great excuse for us to not have <laughs> many <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Artistic integrity, man. <laughs> Or just uh, laziness? I think it's probably laziness. But the top five, you can assume that it's heavily weighted into early episodes probably because they've been on the internet the longest. Oh, yeah. And then also people probably start at the beginning, right? And not everyone sticks with it the whole way through. So the La Dolce Vita is probably in the top five. It's number five. Okay. Um, The Lord of the Rings is probably in the top five. Yeah, that's number two. Really? Um, Those were our first two episodes. Probably Jaws is in the top five. That's number one. Yeah. So I think that's a PFT episode. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Percy. <laughs> Flanders. Percy Flanders Thackeray, of course. <laughs> Jaws is number one. Number three was Pulp Fiction. Oh. Which we had my sister, sister, my sister yeah. Liz for that. Number four is Seven with Bob Dassey for that. Oh, that was a good one. That was early on, wasn't it? Yes. Pretty early on. That was a good one. Who were our most frequent guests? 
I think we had three people that we had three times each. Paul. Yep. We have Paul for Jaws, Lenny, and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer we had for Body Heat, Pinocchio, and Citizen Kane. And then there was a third guest that we had three times? Yep. Was it your sister? No, because she did Princess Bride and Pulp Fiction. This guest we had for The King of Comedy and for oh, Blue, Acker. Blue Velvet. It was Ben Acker. He was on three times? Yeah. And Barton Fink. Oh, really? Yeah. How, but that's been a while ago. That's probably why I didn't remember. And he had that amazing song that Rhett made. <laughs> I guess this is a good time as any to do our thank yous. Okay. I mean, the idea that Rhett Miller, like a songwriting legend, would write a song along with Ben Acker for us called Carlos so Quotes nice. Probably was so cool. <laughs> and Ben did not prep us for that, just sprung that on us for the episode. So thank you, Rhett and Ben, for that so much. Can you play that on this one for them again? Craig loves list and movies And he loves Why? I pray God above His loves don't ruin His life Carla loves Craig's brains And his heart And she loves his face I swear to God she knows that he's odd and she disagrees with most of his taste. Sometimes she says the craziest things. Sometimes she says the craziest things. Carla, Carla's close probably. And Jonathan Dinerstein. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to out of the that kind- was a cool one. This was Psycho, right? That he did. 
Oh, that, that's absolutely one of our 10 best episodes, yeah. I think. And I think, was that before he even started doing his Settling the Score podcast? I think that may have been uh, an influence, uh, not to take too much credit, but uh, <laughs> John and his friend Andy have a, a fantastic podcast called Settling the Score. They're both composers and they walk you through the AFI. First, they did the AFI top 25 scores, some of which they have uh, very mixed feelings about, but now they've just moved on to other notable scores in film history. Yeah. And it's, it's a much, must, must listen. I listen to it. And uh, a much to listen. It's a much listened to podcast. But, uh, John, thank you so much for our theme song. Yeah. And of course, the Carlos Quotes theme. Yeah. Which, uh, was another thing that he just sprung on us. So we, nice. we didn't ask for that. And it's added so much to our podcast. So, Thank you, John. And we also had his wife, Becky, on for a fantastic that was episode a really good on one. Amadeus. That uh, was one where I was like unconvinced and then she kind of convinced me how great that movie was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one where the, the passion of uh, somebody's uh, yeah. love for that movie really came through. Uh, Ari Azizian did our art. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, Ari. And uh, Ken Plume, I can't say enough about Ken Plume. Uh, we put out maybe <laughs> so tw- nice. 20 episodes with questionable audio. You know, again, this is something we're doing on our shitty mics, <laughs> on our <laughs> for fun, uh, on our Zoom recorder that we did pay a fair amount for. You know, but we are <laughs> amateurs at this, and we're not in studio quality. We're you know sometimes we're at a friend's house, but usually we're doing it right here on our couch. So. We'd like to thank all of you for putting up with the uh, <laughs> inconsistent audio throughout the years. But uh, Ken Plume volunteered uh, about 20 episodes into the podcast to do remixing for us. Uh, he turns it around so quickly. Oh, so nice. Um, Ken has a wonderful podcast called A Bit of a Chat that you should listen to. Yep. And he also produces the We Got This podcast with Mark and Hal. Yeah. Um, so please give, give those a listen. And, uh, I, we really appreciate all the work that you've done for us, Ken. I mean, truly, Ken and John, like, made this podcast sound a thousand times more professional than it ever yes. did before they Absolutely. volunteered their time and talents. Really, really <laughs> nice people. Any other favorite guests or favorite episodes that come to mind? Oh, Sunset Boulevard was really fun with Paget. That's probably a top five. I yeah. mean, yes, Paget Brewster did Sunset Boulevard, and uh, that prob- that actually you must not have given that an A plus. I feel like that was maybe one of your favorites. That yeah, we, we I'm surprised I didn't give that an A plus. Yeah, um, but yeah, Paget's knowledge about that movie and just she's the most entertaining human on yeah. the planet, uh, along with Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Percy Thackeray with. Carla Kukowski. And I think I always, when people ask me, you know, for an episode to start with, I say the Evan Schletter 2001. Yes. That one, that one was so, I want to actually go see that movie properly in the theater now because of him. No guest spoke more articulately about a movie. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's a really impressive episode <laughs> and a movie that's kind of mostly because i didn't really talk <laughs> yeah we just listened to Evan, but it's kind of an impenetrable movie and he penetrated it yeah you know? like uh I, i'm still amazed at uh all the uh the thought that he put into his analysis of it and it was... so that was one that i legitimately learned a lot and and came like uh walked out of that room still thinking about it for hours afterwards and then they did do a theatrical release and he invited us to go see it right yeah Um, but i was out of town they're showing it at arclight yeah (sighs) remember when we could go to movie theaters nope what's that like 
And then we also did a few special episodes over the course of the podcast where we did some of Carla's favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's about mm, 12, 13 movies that we covered of yours. And uh, I gave all of your movies that we watched an A to B minus. Really? Yeah. I think my least favorite was Home Alone 2, <laughs> which I still kindly gave a B minus to. That was very nice of Despite you. the appearance of Donald Trump. But a lot of them I gave flat out A's to, and some of them I've added to my additional favorite movie list. Really? So what? What's Up Doc was an A, a- so added it to the list. Beetlejuice was an A, added it to the list. Dirty Rotten Scandals was an A, added that to the list wow. as well. So thank you. So you, you allowed me to get a little more comedy into my uh, honorable mention What did you give list. Soap Dish? B plus. Really? Yes. What did you give Before Sunrise and Before Sunset? I gave Before Sunrise an A minus, Before Sunset an A, and Before Midnight an A minus. Oh. I, I don't know why I'm not able to... Think of those movies as individual enough to say of like, oh, I should add Before Midnight to my list or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know because it's weird because I've done it with other things like Lord of the Rings where I've isolated one movie. But I don't know. I just feel like every 10 years there's uh, my friends and I go and check in with them yeah. you know, and I love it. But uh, I, I don't know. For some reason, it's something – it almost transcends movies, yeah. that trilogy. I mean you can make it one like you did with Florette. Yeah. I could do that. But those are great movies. Those are great movies. And I gave Home Alone a B plus. Uh Christmas Vacation a B plus. Really? <laughs> White Christmas a B. Terminator yeah. two an A minus. Yeah. Defending Your Life an A minus. So thank you for either reintroducing me to or introducing me to. I had never seen What's Up Doc. Well. I think all the others I had seen I I, I don't think I'd ever watched in their entirety White Christmas or Christmas Vacation. And I had never. Those were special Christmas episodes. Those were special. They're they're not like my favorite movies. I had never seen Home Alone too, Uh, but having Jackson for Home Alone was was really fun as well. I think I laughed the hardest with Jamie Moyer on Body Heat. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we laughed our asses off on that episode. Something we kind of lost over the years, I think, was the name of our improv segment. What's the name of our improv segment? Khaki theater? It's khaki theater, but at a certain point, I stopped calling it that. Interesting. Do you want to do a little khaki theater with me? Oh, sure. <laughs> I forgot. I thought we were done. So it's August of 2016. <laughs> we're about to record the first episode. Actually, I should say that we recorded, I think, that La Dolce Vita episode Twice. Three, three times, I think. Oh, really? Because we had the first one we lost in its entirety somehow, and then we had to go back and pretend. Oh, that's right. And I think- And I got mad at you. Yeah. I got really mad at you and we t- I turned off the recording <laughs> and I stormed out of the room. That was the low point for our marriage was episode 100. <laughs> I think we've only gotten stronger. So we're about to, uh, we're about to sit down to record the first La Dolce Vita episode. So we're Craig and Carla in 2016 and we get a visit from Craig and Carla in 2020. Oh my God. Well, I, I, I don't like it. I'm sorry. I can't pretend like I like it. No, it's it's okay. I mean, just say whatever your real feelings. Well, that's what I was trying to do, but then you rolled your eyes like it was the dumbest thing ever. I didn't roll heard. my eyes. Yes, you did. I mean, they can't see that, but I, mean, I this could is see a, it. It's a cinema classic, Carla. Well, it made me sleep. Well, that <laughs> that's fine, but I, I think you know, there's going to be a lot of hardcore Fellini fans out there. They're going to want you really? to give the. You really think so? Well, I think there's cinephiles out there, certainly. <sighs> Hey, hey, guys, what's uh, what's going on? Oh, my God. You've got a beard. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Wait. Holy fuck. Are you? Oh, Jesus. You look old. Hi, guys. You hey. Look, hey, you Craig. Look, you look great. <laughs> really? Thank you. I just yeah. got a haircut before the pandemic. Hi, Carla. Wait, wait, wait. What, what pandemic? Wait. What? There's a pandemic going on. There's too much to explain right now, guys. I mean, just trust us. It's going to be really scary, but you'll get to watch Schindler's List. Yeah. I, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to watch wait, it again. That's right. That's your number one movie. Oh, sorry, I don't want to watch that, that movie way. again. But uh, you guys are clearly from the future. How far in the future are you? Um, about, it, about three years and nine months. Three years and sh- nine months. months. Yeah, three years and nine months. Jesus, you look that old four years from now? <laughs> I have a beard because there's a quarantine going on right now. Okay? Wait, we need to understand more about this quarantine. What are you talking about? No, there's no time. There's no look, time to talk Donald about Donald Trump becomes president <laughs> in three months. No, no, you lie. You lie. That's not possible. That's not possible. It's not going to be All, Trump. Yes, I go, I go to 538 every day. Every indicator says that Hillary's going to win. <laughs> she's ahead. In, she's ahead in 38 states right now. Donald Trump becomes president, and then there's a worldwide pandemic, and we don't act soon enough. That that Trump caused. Yes. Scene. <laughs> 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 That's what I want to end this on. <laughs> you want to end on a Donald Trump joke? <laughs> Oh, just God. kidding, Craig and Carla. This is what we do. You don't do an improvised scene right in this one because this one doesn't get recorded <laughs> properly. <laughs> Wait, are we still in the scene? We're still in the scene. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Wait, we improvise? On, we're not going to improvise on this podcast. No, you need to improvise. That's the best part. It, call it khaki theater. Yeah, and then forget forget that. <laughs> Yeah, call it khaki theater, and then two years later, forget that. But yeah, no, no. I mean, th- that's what people listen for when there's a podcast. They need regular segments. Exactly, and we were told that by someone who knew. So does that mean we're still doing the podcast four years from now? Oh my god, I can't do this. No, no, babe, it's okay. I can't do this. Be strong, Carla. Carla, be strong. Carla, be strong. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, you're gonna get mad a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to walk out of the room and slam the door and and cry. But you know what? You have a a small online presence now. <laughs> how how many downloads? Just tell me. How how many do do we get on our network? Well, let's we get, be honest. Carla never actually looks in to see. Well, why wouldn't she? Because she, she doesn't want to know. <laughs> it's it's not important. We do this for the love of the game. Carla, don't read the iTunes reviews. What? We have iTunes reviews? Yeah, don't read them. They say that your voice is when annoying the, and that you're stupid. You can't change history. You know that she reads them. <sighs> when you read them, Carla, just take a walk. <laughs> Get some fresh air. Wow. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, thank, it's great to get the encouragement, I, I guess. It's good to know that we made it to the end of the list. Wait, how much longer? <laughs> good and job. There's, there's our flock of geese to denote the end of an improv scene. Oh. Carla, I think we're done. All right, are you moving out now? Yep. <laughs> I have my bags packed. <laughs> I'm getting my VHS copy of Schindler's List. <laughs> Please take the DVD too. <laughs> and I'm going back in time to date 2016 Carla. <laughs> <laughs>
But Craig's listeners, you are the people that we need to thank more than anybody else. Thank you for engaging with us on Twitter. Yes, thank you for the um, – when we've done our improv shows, people have come out and approached us and said they listened, and it was really nice and cool. That's been incredibly cool. And uh, the, the marriage is still intact. Oh, and the T-shirts, the Dog Day Afternoon T-shirts. Oh, those were so nice. The gentleman who made those Dog Day Afternoon T-shirts, we wear them around the house – uh, they're so cool. I just wore mine yesterday for real. Yeah. I love it. It's so cool. Yeah. It's Sal visiting Wyoming. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. It's the best. It gives Sal a, uh, an ending that he didn't get to have in that movie. Yeah. So I hope that, uh, at some point we will update. I'll, uh, inform you of what the new movies are on the, the list. Uh, we'll record at the very least a, a short update episode. Uh, Chris, maybe we can get those side to side comparisons of the old list and the, the new list. I think I can tweet where the list is now, you know, so, so everybody has that to, yeah. uh, to look at. Yeah. And, uh, stay safe. Yeah. Beyond all of that, we hope that you're safe and healthy and stay inside <laughs> and wear a mask. If you want a mask, tweet me. <laughs> no. <laughs> You realize what you've just done? But, yeah, maybe not. masks till the end of time. Make your own masks, Craig's <laughs> listeners. Uh, but thank you. Thanks for everything. This was fun. Good. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs> give, me, give me that one more time. <laughs> Uh, uh, the list is good the list is long okay neither of those quotes are right (laughs) (laughs) it's not the list is long (laughs) the list is good the list is long that's how i remember it okay what is the quote The the quote is The list is an absolute good. The list is life. (laughs) (laughs) And what you remembered is The list is good. The list is long. (laughs) Uh, That's why you hire a professional screenwriter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to put that bit at the end of the episode. I don't know. It's pretty funny to start with. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>